Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for tonight's V Brown Bag. I'm your host, Tom Green, and tonight we're going to be discussing custom forms in VRealize Automation 7.4. Before we get started with that, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, you can follow the conversation online. Uh, tweet hashtag VBrownBag, and I'll be watching the, the stream to interrupt with questions or snide comments. Uh, those are preferred. They're always fun. Uh, we are also tweeting out of VBrownBag handles from all around the world. So we are uh, a worldwide podcast. We have shows at different times in different time zones. If you want to check out the schedule for upcoming events, go to vbrownbag.com slash brownbags. And I personally guarantee that this it is uh, up to date as of the time of this recording, because I did that right before we started. Um, but more importantly, we're going to talk about the vRealize auto automation. And to do that, we have experts on the line. Cody D. Arkland. Something like that. Well, we have the expert, Jad L. Zane, <laughs> and also joining him, Cody DeArkland. So, uh, Jad and Cody, do you want to say hi? Yeah, good morning or good afternoon. Uh, I'm in lovely Sydney today, so thanks for uh, having me. Um, so it is morning for me still. Um, Jad L. Zane, I'm in uh, VMware's Cloud Management Office of CTO, uh, which is just two weeks into that funny role. And um, go by Virtual Jad. And today we're going to talk about uh, some of the new VRA 7.4 features, specifically some of the noise we've done around custom forms. Cody and I have been hitting Twitter um, with some of that excitement. Uh, so we'll get into that in a bit. Cody? So, Cody Darkland, I've done a few V Brown bags now. Uh, I'm a systems engineer out of, out of the West Coast. So, I'm in California. So a little bit further away from Jad. Jad, have you have you fought a koala yet? Done I have a, not seen a koala, a koala. I haven't been punched by a kangaroo, and I haven't eaten either. Uh, and I haven't been killed by insects the size of my head. So so far so good. Bat bat in a thousand. Bat in a thousand. Don't worry. There's always time. <laughs> yeah. For all there is. All right. All I right. Can so see your uh, PowerPoint. All right, so I promise there's going to be two slides, three slides total, um, just as an introduction. Uh, this being a, a new feature, a new capability, something that's been a long time coming, actually, for VRealize Automation uh, 7.4, um, I wanted to do just a little bit of intro. Um, this session, Cody and I are going to cover some of the fundamentals of, of uh, custom forms and why it even matters. Um, a lot of you um, have had some experience uh, with this already um, or have done it in beta uh, or some other means. Um, but most of you have probably tried to accomplish custom forms by using XSAS. And, uh, and we'll get into all of that. Um, some more advanced topics next week, same time, same place. Um, and then, uh, but today we're going to primarily just show you some of the, the fundamentals. Uh, the, because I'm you know, I gotta, I gotta represent here some of the themes that are tied to this release. And the latest release of 7.4, if you haven't seen it yet, um, has been, up, um, you know, just making the whole solution easier to consume, faster to get started. Um, there's a lot of bits and pieces to that. But uh, for custom forms specifically, this has been a big UX effort to, um, to, to really start making VRA a little prettier to consume, <clears throat> specifically to consume. Um, there's a lot uh, happening underneath uh, the covers here and tons of stuff this year. Between now and VMworld, you're going to see, um, you're going to see some pretty awesome uh, releases and capabilities and updates to the entire platform from a UI moving on in. Um, but in bringing clarity, our UI standard, um, into VRA as we know it today, um, it's not a... Uh, replace UI and, and rebuild in clarity, right? It's not that easy for this, you know, multi-component beast that VRA is. So we've been easing it in. Um, you've seen it in container management. You've seen it in um, a little bit in VRO, um, but in some of the other products, you've probably already seen it as well. VRA is a little bit behind on the scene. Uh, but for this release, uh, the greatest consumption 
of or adoption of uh, Clarity has been in what's called a new custom forms designer. And the custom forms designer is is actually very well named because it is exactly what it sounds like. Now, I've used this analogy a lot in the past, um, and I have gotten beating, beaten up for it because of uh, comparing technology like this to, um, to what I'm about to do, which is if any of you have used front page uh, 15 years ago to build your first website in a UI, um, this is, I'm not gonna say a lot like this, um, but that, the, uh, the, the feeling of being able to drag and drop forms and, and create inputs and relationships and images and all that stuff, and all of a sudden you have this little web page, I mean, that's pretty significant. It was significant 15 years ago. And while we are leveraging a whole different set of modern technologies to do this, um, it's, that's a, a pretty decent analogy, uh, minus the 15 years old part. Um, so that's, minus the fact that front, front page is front page, right? Like, yeah, I could, I could <laughs> drag and drop first. and then insert my JavaScript wherever I wanted. It was awesome. Yeah, front page is where I made my first web page, so don't diss that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then when AOL started supporting front page, that was that was magical. Um, all right, so <clears throat> so here we are, custom forms designer. Uh, this is an answer to a lot of requests, a lot of demands. Uh, and even a lot of gaps uh, and limitations. Um, so just a quick history lesson here. Um, VRA 7.0, our, our 7X platform, introduced uh, a whole new way of building and creating and designing applications through the, um, through the Converge Blueprint Designer, or the Unified Designer. Uh, so we can drag and drop and build these application topologies. But then when you go to consume it, it's back to the same old uh, tiered, very boring .NET, um, .NET backed, form. And, and because of that, even though you put the work in things like the property dictionary and custom properties and, and you got creative in, in building drop downs and doing a lot of backend XML and so on, so a dozen different ways to do it, um, just using the core extensibility functions, um, even with all of those things, you're limited to very basic relationship building and drop downs. So what happened also in 7.0 is we introduced what's called XAS form designer. And the XAS form designer was, was truly designed to allow you to consume Virialize orchestrator workflows as service items. And honestly, that was probably the most powerful features of 7, but we didn't even know it. Uh, what ended up happening is, uh, you know, I used to be out there and saying, with XAS, the sky's the limit. You could literally do and serve up anything through your portal. And then you can you can actually customize and do all kinds of relationships because all the work happens in VRO and then you use a forms designer to to layer additional policies on top of that. Well, one of the most common use cases for XAS today, um, four versions in or subversions in, is to use XAS to wrap um, your traditional old boring forms with a pretty prettier wrapper. And, um, and while that was not created to do that specific use case specifically, it's an awesome use case and it fit, fit a lot of or met a lot of requirements and, um, and helped us fill some of these limitations of the boring blueprint. Okay, so that's a little bit of history lesson. Today, um, or uh, two weeks ago, we introduced VRA 7.4 and that whole wrapper concept um, was really one of the drivers behind what we're doing in the custom forms designer. Uh, and we couldn't really come up with any, any fancier name uh, than custom forms designer, but that's really what it is. Don't be fooled by custom. Uh, it's not a overly complex extensibility function. It is actually a form designer so that you can drag and drop and build these forms on top of your backend applications, regardless of the platform and application that, that it is, and be able to deliver and consume your cloud however you want your users to, to interface with that cloud. So it's very powerful, especially for those who support multi-cloud, multi-platform, uh, different types of applications, including XAS, um, because now you can make it all look and feel exactly the same. Um, so you can do branding inside of a form, you can do a lot of relationship building. And that's what I'm gonna show you um, real quick in this introduct introduction demo. And then I'm gonna hand it off to uh, Cody where he's gonna go into a couple of other different use cases. Um, and then uh, and the next week we'll dive a whole lot deeper into it. So a couple of the uh, features, um, 
easy and rich customizations. That's really what this is all about. It's all done in clarity. It's really pretty. And, uh, and it's also, just to put it out there, a preview of what the next version of VRA is going to look like once we, a uh, little bit, once, uh, once the entire platform starts to um, uh, use and adopt the Clarity UI across the entire consumer UI, um, this is really the, the direction we've been heading. And that's no secret, so it's not a, I'm not giving anything away there. Um, but with, uh, with the custom forms, we can control the, the functions and the relationships and the control types directly inside the form. So you no longer really need to know, actually, you no longer at all need to know VRO and build those relationships in VRO, which is what you had to do if you, um, uh, some of the more advanced relationships, if you used XAS wrappers or XAS forms. Um, VRO and XAS, uh, while 80% coverage occurred between those two, so you can manipulate the UI to have controls, um, there's other things that you had to go back to VRO to, to do. Uh, and those were limitations, and that's where things get kind of annoyingly complex, um, unless you really know what you're doing and, and you can actually build some really cool things. But anyway. Well, that was, you know, what I, what I saw yeah. happen a lot was that people would, you know, there'd be like one or two guys, usually one or girls in a company that had really focused on being, you know, the, the, the designer, the guy who was building those blueprints and building the way they looked. But because the skill, there, there was a skill to it, right? It wasn't as simple as custom forms designer makes it. It made it really hard to do kind of knowledge transfer or have people learn that skill because they were too busy focused on learning other things. And there was a lot of stuff you had to learn to make this stuff dynamic and to kind of square peg, round hole, these type of like decision-driven events within the UI in Orchestrator and then have it translate. So like we've really lowered the skill bar to be able to accomplish really good looking things inside of the interface with forms designer versus VRO. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the, one of the, one of the demos I'm going to show or the demo I'm going to show live because Cody and I um, have a lot of faith in the product as we show it live um, is, is just setting, going from a traditional form um, and going, uh, applying a custom form. All right. So, Again, this is new in VRA 7.4. I don't want to, um, I didn't want to jump directly into the, to the depth of the product. Uh, we're going to do that next week. So while typically these V brown bags can get uh, quite technical, this is not going to be that quite technical session. Um, next week I'll be back at home base and, uh, and we'll, we'll be charged up. What I would love to see though is between now and then, as you see this product say, hey, um, can I do this? Can I do that? How do you do X, Y, Z? And that'll give us a lot of ammo for, for next uh, Wednesday, I guess. All right, so um, just a, a few more points here on custom forms. Uh, ultimately, it's just about consuming the applications any way you, you see fit. Um, for a lot of you who've shied away from XS forms, um, Cody just actually recently posted an awesome blog post in the VMware blogs on using XAS for a specific use case. Um, so, so take a look at that. It's, it was posted, I think, last week. Um, but I'll drop it in the chat. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but just to be clear, this is not introducing something new that makes all your existing XAS forms or existing blueprints or designs uh, obsolete. Right? This is designed, and the reason why it's taken so long to deliver this, it's designed to be backwards compatible and to consume um, as much of your existing relationships, your existing forms um, as possible. But what you're gonna find is there's a much better way to do it and, uh, and hopefully this will be it. So let's switch over. Um, can you just confirm you see my desktop here? Refreshing. Okay, Tom, Tom, I'm not able, looks like I'm not able to chat to everybody. So if you wanna copy and paste it, I just dropped to the organizers and panelists to the group, that would be cool. Yep, I'll do that, I'll tweet it, and it'll be in the show notes. Awesome, and thanks, Tom, sir. Can you, Tom and Cody, can you see my desktop right now? Yep. I can see your VRA. All right, cool. Um, so here's a VRA, don't be fooled by this uh, URL. FYI, if you're going to deploy a, a solution uh, with plans on upgrading it as new versions come out, don't name the URL after <laughs> um, the version. <laughs> Uh, this is a, a lab environment. It's a throwaway environment, so that's why you see this. But anyways, this is VRA 7.4. Um, and, uh, and what I'm going to do is uh, show you. Uh, we'll go down to just some IaaS catalog. 
here's an automating IT app that I created. It's just a, it's a two-tier um, application. And with the basics, um, first of all, I've got my GIF, Peter Griffin, there. Um, but with the basics, uh, this is the boring UI, right? And I call this boring, is uh, this is .NET. Um, this, it's not a secret, right? Anything you see in here that is IaaS specific, um, I don't know why this is blacked out, uh, is typically um, being brought in through, a, through an iframe from the, I, uh, the dot or the uh, .NET Core IaaS engine that is part of VRA. Uh, so we won't go into the architecture of VRA, but this is one of our challenges, right? This is ugly. Um, there's not a whole lot we can do here. So then we go and we create um, a form in XAS and we pretty this up a little bit, but even that is, is still quite limited. So what I wanna do is change the way um, our, our, uh, my consumers are going to interface with this application. So first of all, there's not a whole lot of help here. I, I don't really know what I'm asking and why do I have description and a reason Right, what is required, by the way, we no longer require those, which is great. We used to force you to do both of those early on. Um, I've got properties because I, I have visibility into that, but um, if I had, if I had uh, property dictionary definitions, if I had custom properties, you'll just see a whole list, uh, a vertical list of inputs and, uh, and things that the, the users require to put in there, right? Um, and we can, again, we can do a lot with property dictionary. Um, we can do a lot with XS, but this is really more about just simplifying the whole thing. If I go to web good tier, shout out on that real yeah. quick, you know, Chip Zoller, I don't know if you saw his post. He did a great post on how to build these, how to build these really dynamic menus um, in the existing form, right? So like people have taken this and done really cool things with it, but it's, it's still very restrictive. Yeah. Are you calling Chip out because he just joined uh, the V Brown Bank and he's tweeting about us? Thanks, Chip. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool post. Yeah. Chip, yeah. if you want to uh, get the, that link in the show notes, just put it on Twitter and tag VBrownBag, and I'll, I'll get that in there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if we look at some of the basics here, I've got a web tier, uh, some, some basic inputs, uh, database tier. Uh, there's not a whole lot of excitement happening around here. Um, so, again, I want to customize this. So let's go ahead and do that. Uh, one of the other requirements I wanted to do is, um, for example, if I am a manager and I am creating a new desktop, uh, we see a lot of desktops in, in um, VRA, or if I'm creating a new machine or uh, a dev workstation or something like that, um, a very common use case is I want to add a, a, a user or I want to order this on behalf of somebody. Once they take ownership, I want them to have local admin rights. Um, or this is onboarding and I want to create a new AD, on account, AD account in my lab domain or something like that, right? We see that all the time. The lab domain AD accounts is something that is very easily accomplished through XAS. In fact, I can come in um, to my catalog. I'm going to show you. I've got uh, an XAS catalog here, data center services, uh, and I've got, for example, create. Um, well, I had to create an AD user. I've got create an AD machine. So if I'm provisioning an AD machine um, or a, a Linux machine, and I want uh, an AD object created for that, or in some examples, like my old environment, you had to create the AD object before that machine was able to join the domain. So I had the OU placement and all that stuff done. Those are common use cases. And try to incorporate that into the form often resulted in workflows and extensibility and a, and a lot of other stuff. And you could do the AD integration, which is now available in a VRA as well. But when that happens is just another silly reason to do a, a very overly complex um, workaround. So actually, I'm going to target that use case now that we talk about it. So let's go into the design. And, um, and by the way, as soon as you upgrade to 7.4, all of your blueprints become custom form ready. Uh, so here's my, um, uh, my automating IT form or uh, blueprint. And as you can see, we've got this new, uh, this new option for custom form. I could edit activate, which is uh, deactivated by default. Um, so let's go ahead and create or open up that uh, that UI. And so I've got that web tier. I'm sorry, the, the I forget what it's called, the CBP. I've got my web tier. I've got my database tier. One thing I also want to make sure to point out is anything, well, first of all, the custom form is dependent on the completed uh, blueprint, uh, meaning not, not really dependent, but everything you drag and drop and use in the blueprint becomes an artifact um, available 
in the custom form. So you want to complete the custom form first. Uh, so here I've, I have a working machine. I've got a web tier with min and max. I've got a database tier. Um, of course, I can drag and drop software components. I could bring over a network. I can do all kinds of things. Um, anything I bring into here becomes forms accessible. But we're going to keep this very basic. It'll drop um, onto a default network and have a default security group and such for NSX call out there. Um, but also I've got, uh, you know, all my typical properties. Um, Custom Forms does support profiles. So if I'm using um, size or image profiles, those could also be um, attributes available on a form. And if you're not familiar what those are, um, we can, uh, you know, we could probably address that on Twitter. But forms and, and um, or I'm sorry, profiles are, are very helpful in doing things like t-shirt sizing and image mapping and such. All right, so there's my, my, uh, my design. I did mention that I wanted to bring over that XAS ad machine to computer. So I'm gonna go over here to XAS and I already have that XAS form created. And it is uh, create an AD machine object. So I'm just gonna drag that right over here. Um, and let's just say this is uh, designed specifically for my web tier. So I wanna make sure that at provisioning time that the web tier doesn't get uh, provisioned until that uh, AD object is created. So I'm gonna create this relationship. Now this is a boring ID, um, but, uh, but it's fine. We don't really care about that. And I could look at the inputs of this object. I've already masked some of it in XAS. So again, as it is in XAS, I'm gonna drag it and drop it onto this canvas. Um, so the uh, default domain is management.local, which is our silly domain name. And then our object name is the computer name. So at this point, um, this can probably get a little more involved because I want the object name to be the name that VRA chooses for my web tier. So in hindsight, this is probably not a perfect use case um, unless I go in here and create a, a binding, which you can absolutely do. Um, so there's my, uh, my topology. I'm gonna go ahead and save this, which is required before you could edit the custom form. So down, if, so directly from the CBP, I can create edit custom form and I see um, I see that come up. I've already have uh, some of the beginnings here of, uh, of a form. So what I've already done, uh, so we start off with this general tab. General tab is, is general. Um, so the form, when you go and, and request a new machine, the form has a general section which applies to the deployment. Um, and those are gonna be you know, number of deployment uh, and maybe a description um, or anything else that, that, it is, uh, that affects the, the entire deployment. So I could do custom properties there, property dictionary, et cetera. But by default, um, we do expose a couple of things like number of deployments and such. So I'm gonna drink, bring over a number of deployments. This is a form field that is uh, a default form field. And I've also added this text. So one of the things I wanna do is actually walk through the user or walk the user through the, the, the tiers uh, and provide in context help, um, not just at the field level, but also uh, basically built in documentation. You know, here's what you're doing here, um, follow these steps. I could make this uh, URL hot by adding a CSS. I'm gonna get into that or Cody's gonna get into that in a second. And what I did to bring that in is um, use what's called a generic element, but back to that in a moment. So my blueprint elements are all the properties and components that are uh, already dragged and dropped onto my canvas. So I've got create an AD object. Um, that is my XAS machine. I've got um, my database tier and I've got my web tier. Okay. And we're something, keep something to call out. Something to call yeah. out real quick, like it's, it's a very big thing to mention that a lot of this stuff typically is things that you would see in the request form. And it's a lot of times things that the user might not even interact with, right? Some of those things might just be components that take dynamic inputs in, but aren't things that the user fills out. But from a user experience perspective on the traditional, you know, catalog items, blueprint requests, um, they're gonna see those objects on that left hand, left hand panel. We're able now using Custom Forms Designer without using XAS to be able to really choose what the user sees. That goes back to what Jad was showing around the reason for request and um, the other box that I'm always forgetting. Those two boxes that are used to be mandatory but aren't now. Um, we yeah, don't have to show those if we don't want to. Yeah. There we go, description. You know, we don't have to show those now. And that applies to any any number of properties that we might hide in the background, we might not want to expose to the user. Uh, you know, everything on the left is things that you would typically see within that form, but 
because of how Custom Forms Designer works, we're able to kind of hide that stuff from the end user and create a better user experience, in, in my opinion. Agreed, totally. Um, and then a, 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 the other thing is uh, just being able to build relationships. So one of the pieces of feedback I always get is, hey, you know, we've got three tiers, um, and then we go through configuring, but however I configure the first tier, I want all the other ones to just automatically be configured that way. But instead, I gotta go in there and hit every single object and uh, modify CPU, memory, storage, et cetera. I just want them to be consistent. Maybe I want them to be consistent based on the lifecycle stage. So for example, actually I'll do that right now. For example, I've got my general tab. I know I need the uh, inputs for, for web and, uh, and database per the form. I've got required inputs, uh, the min-max of CPU, min-max of memory and storage. Um, if I've got any other objects I wanna define, I want those as well. But um, so I have to come in here and start uh, bringing in um, some of these machines. And instead of walking, or, or instead of having all of this in a single form or that tiered form that you saw the boring one, I wanna actually bring all of these into separate tabs. So I've got this new tab. I'm gonna call this um, you know, web tier details, for example. Um, and then visibility, I can just say always visible. We'll get back to that in a second. And then here I'm gonna say, uh, DB tier details and visibility will say yes. All right, so now I've got my web tier details, database tier details, and my general tab. For my web tier details, I'm going to just take some of the, the basics here. So I've got CPUs. Um, we will uh, say number of instances because I know I have a, a one and one min, five max instances. Uh, we definitely wanna bring over some memory. And, uh, and you can see all the different properties and attributes that I, that I have ability to then come in here and manipulate. Um, the cool thing is any one um, selection or object or subselection or dropdown or whatever you do can manipulate another field. And I'm gonna show you that as well. Um, so here we've got CPU, storage, memory. Um, Cody, I'm gonna go back five more minutes and then hand it off to uh, your use case. Um, so, so instances, uh, for example, I have, I know in my form, I've created a min max um, value. And I'm gonna just say here in my custom help, I'm gonna create a signpost that says, uh, select um, the uh, number of instances, just whatever, okay? And so now I have this signpost. Now to do that today is a pain in the ass. And I'll just say that, uh, <laughs> and, and it's a reason why a lot of uh, you can go into XAS and do do some of that or, or use some custom properties. But this is um, a pretty sweet little helper, right? So you can come in here and select that and you can see um, what it, what it can, can and can't do. So I've got instances, CPUs, memory storage. Let me go back uh, to database tier. I'm gonna do the same thing in database. So I've got, um, I don't need instances because I know that that's only one. So that's, um, I should spell this right. Come on, Cody. On <laughs> the, equal, the equal didn't help there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the database tier, um, I'm not gonna do instances because we know that um, that is a default of one and a maximum of one uh, and then storage. But again, any one of these can be brought over. Um, now here's a pretty cool thing. So that's that's database, that's web. So in my database tier, I wanna actually over, come down to my generic elements. I want a nice pretty icon of um, whatever Cody. the database tier is. Cody, a pretty icon of Cody. So I'm gonna cl click this uh, image and then um, we can actually come in here and the value of this image um, can be um, uh, a URL. So what I typically do is first of all, I, I create a bunch of icons in PNG. Um, I make sure they're all the same exact size because um, size matters here. If you don't use a CSS, uh, it'll bring its, uh, its full size into the, into the graphic. Now you can bring in any image and then use a CSS, which is available to import. Um, and that could manipulate everything from uh, alignment to, to fonts, to links, to uh, images and sizes. So that's, uh, that's an FYI there. Uh, but anyways, you'd create um, the, you'd add the URL here. It could, it could even be a URL to a Google, an image that, uh, that you found on Google, right? It can go, it can pull it directly from external. But I like to put them all in a folder from, uh, or inside of a, uh, inside the appliance itself and just refer to it 
which makes it nice and easy. So for the web tier, I'm going to do the same thing. Um, I don't have an image URL, but I just want it to be complete here. And I've got some serious latency delays going on. Um, well, what's going on here? All right, so we've got this ghost. There we go. Anyway, so from the general tab now, um, I also want to be able to walk the users through um, the uh, some of the some of the or I'm sorry, pre-configure the settings based on a user's uh, config. So in the general tab, I'm going to say I'm going to give me a dumb dropdown uh, from a generic element. In this dropdown, I can create. Let me save this. Something's going on. Give me one second. Are you guys seeing my screen? I'm getting. Uh, yeah, it's, like it's getting... a little bit. There's a little bit of lag going on. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. Hotel network. All right. So from the from the general tab, I'm gonna go back in here. I'm gonna create that drop down, and this drop down is going to um, provide a couple of different things. So first of all, um, the values. I want to make. Um, I, I want to use a a value option drop down of so here you can see value label value label so I'm gonna say um, for example uh, prod prod and dev dev right uh, make it nice and easy save that and um, and now I have value options for uh, my drop down so when I hit the drop down I can see uh, all right request time I'll see test or dev and prod now, based on the selection there, I want to pre-configure my web and database tiers. Now, this is where uh, really cool things happen. So for instances, if in general I create dev, I want the instances to automatically be set to one, right? So if I go here and I say uh, default value of one, I could actually make that a conditional value. And I can say if, um, so set value to one, if, and you can see that drop down, uh, which I generically called drop down, um, equals def. And right. it's important to call it, all of this in VRO would be mostly code and weird bindings that aren't entirely intuitive out of the box, right? It's so like the ease of building these expressions here is is pretty clear, but in VRO it's a very different beast. There is a fair amount of work to get this similar type of relationship building to function and then present back the NXAS form. Yep, so so if you can see that here, I've just added expressions and I said, if that dropdown, um, which I should go back and rename to stage, but if that dropdown um, is, uh, is set to dev, set the value of this field to one. Now let's go into CPU, we're gonna do the same thing. So if I have a uh, value of um, uh, or set this to two if I have a drop-down value of uh, dev, right? And then set this value to four if I have a drop-down value. Uh, and then these are equals, right? I'm sorry, these are defaults. These aren't enforced unless you make them enforced, and you can do that as well. So here's prod. So just like that, I've, I've I'm, you know, I can go and do the same thing for the database tier. So by selecting a dumb dropdown, I'm manipulating the fields in every other tab in the environment. Um, the other thing I want to do is that web tier. Uh, I'm sorry, that add user, um, uh, add the uh, computer account to AD that's only existing in the web tier. So I'm going to come down here to the XS, and I'm going to, I see all the different uh, properties that are available in that XS form, and I'm going to drop this down um, by doing this. So checkbox, and this checkbox is going to say um, create AD account, question mark, right? And that's just a yes, no, tick box, binary. And then I'm going to come in here to create an AD machine object, and I'm going to say object name and domain. Uh, group will we'll just say is default. So object name um, is the machine name, and I can create a custom help for that. But I'm going to say um, 
visibility is a conditional value, set value to yes, if, um, now I have that create AD account equals yes. So you see what I just did there? Um, so if I check this box in my form, now only then am I gonna bring in uh, object name and domain. So I'm gonna do the same thing for appearance, uh, just so I could demo this to you. Um, visibility is conditional if create AD account equals yes. And then, um, of course, if I want to be able to uncheck this and see those hidden, I would create another expression to do the opposite. Uh, but just for the sake of getting through this piece, I'll show you that. So now, so when we, I check this box, object name and domain will show up. Come in, sorry to interrupt. But um, yep. Graham has asked if we can do multiple conditions, say an and or not in the same uh, condition phase, or if it all has to be the same. If you so multiple conditions in the condi I, I believe if I understand you correctly, yes, you can. So if I have object name, and I can create a uh, conditional value of, well, no. So you're going to say yes, and you create another expression to change the value if there's a different point. So it's not an and and and. Now we you can do. Um, I mean, you can add uh, constraints if if that's probably what you talking about um, or we can just go ahead and have this conversation on Twitter yeah we can we can take it over to Twitter I just want to make sure that you could do multi, more, more than one condition not just uh, a yeah. single one yeah okay. it gets a little bit a little bit deeper in, and we'll talk about a little bit more next week in the advanced session like if you wanted to do like an external binding so you can still call yeah. like a VRO you know a VRO, VRO action and then you're kind of you have all the options that JavaScript provides right so you can get really granular and do these multi-stage, you know, if then, what if statements and have it actually feed that value back in as an external source instead of being directly within the forms designer. And, and I see that being where people start doing the real advanced stuff, you know, taking multiple fields, feeding them in and returning a value. Yep. Yeah. So we can, we can bring those in and next week we're going to dive a lot deeper into that, including uh, external validations. Um, so here we can do bind fields, external sources, and conditional values um, at any for for any one of these um, objects. All right. So just to give uh, Cody um, a chance to come in here and do his thing. Uh, anyways, the generic elements are uh, there's there's a lot you can do here. Um, and again, we can create and manipulate any form entry based on any other form entry. One of my favorites here. Um, who loves the fact that in VRA you can increment by two megs uh, memory if you have minimum. <laughs> 1024 maximum of 8196. Um, why can't I select uh, 8192? That's just, it's absurd. Now we could use t-shirt sizing with image profiles um, that, that are introduced in 7.3, or I can come in here in my form, and um, in my form, I can create a value step of 1024. How awesome is that? So just by doing that, um, so I've got my default value and I've got my value step. And of course I can create a condition here saying, if this is dev, make it something smaller. That's still dependent on the blueprint, by the way. So uh, your mins and max are enforced. Um, but if I hit up arrow at request time, it's gonna increment by one meg increments. Now that's um, genius, right? And we can do that in CPU and everything. So anyways, final step here, um, I would wanna go in here and, and finish all this up. I could bring in um, a CSS. Now that I've done all this great work, I want to export this form. I'm going to use it in other. Um, I want to use it in other forms as well and, and modify them as needed. Um, I want to activate this form to make it uh, available. And let's go ahead and save that. And as soon as that form is activated, I'm going to go back to my catalog and go back to um, my automating IT, and that form becomes immediately available. So this is all in clarity. Um, here I would have CSS, I would have all kinds of, uh, I can change my fonts, uh, make these links hot links uh, with CSS. Um, I've got this dropdown which I would name stage and in that dropdown I have prod and dev um, based on this setting. So if I go into dev, my web tier is automatically pre-configured the way I asked it to be. And if I say create an AD account, my AD account fields show up. 
right? And we can do this across any number of tabs or objects from within a single form. Um, but as you can see here, it is way prettier, uh, way more functional, and a lot easier to consume external data, external features, uh, and create conditions and rules, and, and just make this a whole lot more friendly um, for consumption and you know, with images and all that good stuff. So that's my very high level intro. I'm gonna hand it over to Cody, um, and he's going to walk you through uh, another use case. Just wait for the ball to transfer. So a lot of what I'm gonna talk about is more kind of a, a staging uh, of next week's conversation and a little bit of, of kind of a preview of what we're where we're going to get to next week as far as diving deeper into some of the more kind of advanced use cases for how to square peg round hold us into into fun things. Did you kick me the ball, Jed? Oh, do I give you a oh, change I can, presenter? I think I can do it. Yeah, I think I have to. I got it. There you go. All right. You see my appliance? Yep. There you go, yep. Your appliance All looks right. good. Yay. So a lot, again, a lot of what I'm gonna talk about is more around um, kind of art of the possible and thinking about where where we're gonna take this next week. Um, I think that the conditional, the conditional stuff is really intriguing and it's, it, it does answer a lot of really unique use cases because a lot of what I think VRA is really good at is abstracting uh, some of the more confusing decisions from end users, right? We're able to take these fields and throw content in them and do if then statements that translate to things in the background, right? There are things that we don't want our users to necessarily be able to choose at times. For example, if we want to, if, if a person has a you know, business requirement around a deployment that means it's a tier one deployment and they have a policy internally that says all tier one deployments are protected by SRM, right? They're all part of the disaster recovery plan. We can build those type of, of decisions into this form, hide the, the you know, techie stuff on the background, have it be dynamic, dynamically filled in but still hidden from the end user and allow its provision. So similar to Jad, I just have a basic CentOS blueprint, you know, obviously an old, old style form. We go in, you can see I have some fields here that tie into um, to some custom host naming. You know, and something I want to highlight really at the form is that when I approach this from what, you know, the self-service user would see, I'm automatically not happy, right? The megabytes thing drives me crazy, like the idea that, you know, I, I can, when I did this as a, as a customer, I would get calls from project managers who say, how many megabytes do I need to pick for my server? Like, you know, can I do 2,500? Am I allowed to do that? Right, and it gets very, it, it's a very backwards thing to have it still be referenced as megabytes. So there's a lot of stuff that we don't necessarily want end users always to be able to have to ask about. So again, looking at this form, it's very old, not so exciting. We pop in, similar to Jad, go into design, edit that form, we can start to manipulate this in, in ways we want. So I have this advanced host naming. You can see this was an area that I had started to play with a custom form in and I hadn't deleted all of the stuff out yet. So typically this would have been a blank form like Jad's was when he came in, uh, but I'd already started to fill things in. Think about this use case. If you wanted host naming to typically be a, a automatic thing, right? It was automatically configured with a host name based on the machine that was requested, but you had advanced users who you wanted to be able to expose additional additional options to. Maybe you want them to be able to choose if a tier one system is disaster recovery protected. Uh, a, a cool use case that I built up in this demo was throwing a password field on, right? So if we you see that I've just set this up as a display type of password, had it visible to not read only, so a person can enter text in there. There's a little help menu, enter password to show host naming options. We have all of this stuff actually blank and not, not filled in, but we can actually go in and set requirements around this password. So I have these set up to only show if the password equals out to something. I can't remember what I have it at, so we'll do just a simple password. Now, if I go in and activate that form,
we can see all of those fields show up. So it gets this, there's, there's a cool concept there around you could definitely have it be very dynamic and and fill in all of these details in the background based on options that were picked, right? Based on if somebody picked small, medium, or large. But then we can also expose the ability for them to expand this and hit those values through the conditional values of, of a password. So that's one very simple example. Another one that I think about is application installations, right? We can take a custom property, bind that into a, a software deployment and choose if the application runs. So if we had another box as an example, going into the back into the form, Say we had this set up as kind of a universal universal blueprint for a bunch of different applications that we wanted to deploy. We could have a dropdown in here, and then within that dropdown, we have to be things like have that set and then have take those values and have it pipe into a scriptable task that, or not scriptable task, I'm sorry, uh, into an actual software component script task that looks at the value that's returned here and runs an installation script based on that. So we start getting in this place where we're taking some of these values that are inside custom forms and piping them into other components within Virilize Automation. And this was stuff that was possible before in the old form, but it was very rigid in the way that you could consume it and the way that you could present it back. You can see that we can get very creative in how we display this. We can also start to play with CSS around it. So this is how the form looks now. You can see all of these field IDs, which are different between, between every, uh, every component within the platform. I have a simple CSS over here. Let's see if I can share this out in one second. Where is it? There we go. We can go in and start playing with different <clears throat> different CSS components. These were for, from a previous deployment that I had done, or previous configuration, so those field values are kind of no longer valid. But if we took this, so I had a text field in there before. Let's bring out a text field for the sake of demonstration. make this read only so that they just see some text here. And hide that label so that they don't see it, say this text field off to the side. Now we're gonna grab this value right here. And this value corresponds to that object. So from the CSS perspective, that, that value is that field within the actual HTML constructs of this form. Now, if we pop back into code, we can replace that value there. Now, this is not played with a lot. This is just some very basic CSS. It's probably going to be more ugly than, than how it is right now. We'll kill this out because I don't have any image in there now. We're going to dive more into the CSS stuff uh, next week. So we'll go to test. What did I mess up in the CSS? Oh, have I not been sharing my VRA this whole time? No, but I still see your CSS. Oh, weird. Okay, I had switched over to my VRA, but for some reason it didn't. See, if it you were brave it. like me, you would share your whole desktop and. Uh, and just deal point. with embarrassing texts that come in. I'm scared. All right. Fixing that CSS on the other screen real quick. Demo fail. Not sure why it's not showing up there. 
See, if you had front page. If I had um, front page, man. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's because I blanked out the label there. Visibility is, read only is. Values. And yet the CSS didn't pick up for some reason. So we'll dive into that more next week as to why that did, that CSS didn't actually render there. Um, but you get the point. We're able to take the CSS, grab this field value, fill it in, and have it actually be a better looking form than it is now. Hey, Cody, did you show the generate form? Um, is that how you got here? I did not show that, actually. Yeah, I skipped so, that. Yeah, good call. So a common question when we first released um, when we first released the custom form designer was, you know, these are really cool forms, but getting started with them can be a pretty laborious task. Jad and I are doing some very basic blueprints and very basic uh, catalog items, so there's not a ton. But when somebody has, you know, six machines and it's a very complex build, it can be very laborious to build an actual custom form around that. So we do actually have a feature in here. So if I go in and grab just regular Ubuntu server, hit the edit form you see it's blank right now we can actually do a generate form and this is going to populate it very similar to how it would look from a standard uh, catalog item but in custom forms designer styling so it's going to be much prettier but it's going to have a ton of content in here that typically people wouldn't want to see and if we tried to publish it out this way first off it just it wouldn't work because there are components in here that are that are missing issues for example the um, some of these tables need to have actual values in them in order to be published so if we went in just for just to show off the concept if we kill a few of these that are going to be problems so that's the only one I think surprised that one's not throwing an error around it I would save and finish and then hit my and there. Oops, I don't think I activated it. Yeah. Activate. You have all of those content that are typically custom properties on the back end. Now, it's not going to be, this isn't how you would want to present it to the end user, but you can see where it'd be very easy for you to go in and say, okay, cool, this is how I, how I want it to look, or this has the content that I need in order for this to be functional. Let's go in and start ripping out some of the things we, we don't need to present back to the end user. For example, if we go in, we, we obviously don't need to send them the lifecycle properties, uh, custom properties that allow you to pass those props into workflows. So we can delete those out right out of the gate. I don't really care necessarily about OS architecture because we know we're cloning off of the template anyways. I've come with my Fob Labs custom properties because those are bound to my workflow anyways. So I can delete those out. Now that's not deleting the property entirely from the actual blueprint. It's just deleting it from being visible to the end user. And we don't really care about the proxy. We don't care about authentication being needed. Right, so we can start to go through and clear all of these out and only really show, kind of what we talked about before, only show the properties or the actual menu options that the end user might actually care about. So again, clearing these out. A big table that we don't actually need there anymore. Version, just for grins, if I save, finish, and go to catalog. You see a lot of that stuff now is gone and not present. We can also start to get more creative around how these are positioned, right? Because we have a ton of white space over here to the side. So we could go in and start to actually rearrange that form. Changing alignment. There we go. And of course the CSS can can uh, justify um, and it in any way that CSS calls out, change the colors, fonts, et cetera. Correct, because essentially you have full access to this, to this area, right? So anything that you do from a CSS perspective is going to be governed by, by this space and the, essentially this frame that exists, or this angular control ultimately in the back end. So again, if I save, finish, 
going to look horribly ugly because of how I rearranged that, but it'll serve the purpose. So, yeah, see, we're able to consume a ton of that space. Now, we could have conditional pictures pop up, right? If somebody wanted to do five CPUs, we could have a picture of a sad face pop up. Um, it'd be very easy to build this form out to have a lot of those dy that dynamic content that looks really good and then style the whole thing with, with CSS. Um, another cool example is something we do, we've shown internally in, in examples around the Wavefront proxy, right? We're doing a lot of stuff with Wavefront now internally, and it's a real use case where somebody's deploying a web, a web blueprint for, you know, Apache or Nginx or something like that. They want to check a box, I have a box check to um, deploy the Wavefront pro proxy. It'd be easy to have that checkbox, hit the checkbox, a picture of Wavefront pops up, and then the configuration items below for your, for your actual Wavefront instance. You know, I do that with Log Insight in a bunch of my uh, my blueprints, where I'll have an input field for my Log Insight server that I want to use because I'm usually testing multiple versions. So I can have it set up to have that pop up if I check the box to use Log Insight, so it's not being used on every single deployment. So next week we're going to dive more into how to have this stuff pull pull more values from Vera's Orchestrator, right? So actually have these values feed in, uh, or have some of these fields feed in and kick a value back out. I see that as an example for conquering the, the megabyte issue, right? If I didn't want this to be megabytes, if I wanted it to be a gigabyte field, but then have uh, an action do the translation on the back end, that's totally an easy thing that would be a great use case to solve for end users, right? So an end user comes in and says, I just want four gigs of memory. And then that action takes that four input, multiplies it times 1024, and sets the custom property for megabytes to be that size, right? That's an example of some of the stuff we're going to cover next week. And we are up on 6.30, so that went quick. Is there any questions popping up, Tom? Well, it's more like 6.30 for me. <laughs> um, yes, Al has a question. The background color can be modified. Just curious, but I believe Jad may have already answered that question. Yeah, so actually, in this... Can, can it be modified? I, I haven't tried it in CSS, um, but I believe uh, I believe we will honor all the code in the CSS. So that'd be a good thing to, to walk through. I know for fields. So for fields, yes, because that CSS block that I had when I tested it on a different form earlier today, that, that field would receive that update. So you know, just going back in real quick to, to this, if I had a text field that I brought out, or text area, right? So this is an object right here. If I define this in this text area as CSS and do a background color on it, it will honor that. So I, I would like to explore that. And so we don't have the object, um, the field ID for the form itself um, readily available, but it'd be interesting. Let's, let's try to figure that out between, or prove that out between uh, now and next week. Uh, and on that note, um, for anybody on the call and or watches this recording, if you have specific things you'd like to see in the advanced use case session next week, um, bring that to Twitter, and uh, and we'll we'd love some ideas uh, instead of coming in with a with a canned set of capabilities. We'd love some ideas and um, and and to focus on next week. So that would be cool. And Cody, I think what you're going to show right now is, or what you're showing right now is is there's actually a great amount of documentation around custom forms in the new docs. And I know docs have always been a sore spot for us, but, um, but they've done a pretty awesome job in, in highlighting um, some of these new capabilities. So definitely check out the docs. Um, and use cases, right? Not even, just, not even just how to do this. There's actual, you know, create a custom request form with Act Directory, similar to what Jad was talking about. Right, how to set up that that integration, and it gets pretty deep. I mean, it, the VMware Docs page has gone through a pretty revolutionary change in itself. So it's pretty exciting to see, though, like how much content is actually on there, especially for custom forms. As it, it's a, it is an onion, right? You're able to peel this back pretty far. Can you uh, put that link in the chat so I can put it in the show notes so people, yeah, of course, can follow along. Great, thanks. Um, and one last question that I see. But before that, a comment. Jad, your view is awesome. So you shared on Twitter oh, the, the view at your door or window. 
Yeah, it was hard to pay attention to Cody when I'm sitting there staring at these boats going down the channel. It's pretty sweet. Uh, Graham asks, so with external validation and the fact that it's a .NET app, can we use PowerShell or PowerCLI for external validation? Yep, so we'll get into external validation next week. Um, and there's there's a lot we can do there um, from very basic regex, uh, which is actually available per field. Um, but external validations can go and kick off uh, uh, you know, workflows and do a bunch of really cool things. So we'll, we'll get into that. Thanks for the idea. Awesome. It looks like that's it. Um, if you have any other questions, comments, or suggestions for next week's show, we're going to have uh, Cody and Jad back next week. You can hit them up on Twitter. Do you uh, want to share your Twitter handles, guys, one more time? At Virtual Jad. And I'm at Cody Darkland. I don't have a cool V name because I didn't have Twitter back then. <laughs> yeah, well, the um, I'm at TBGRE00, so you can hit me up as well. Or use hashtag VBrownBag. We'll make sure that any feedback or ideas get fed back to the guys uh, before next week's show. So thanks, everyone, for joining, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one.